Globechain is the largest and fastest growing ESG reuse marketplace that helps companies become more sustainable, save money, and achieve their ESG and SDG targets. Globechain connects companies from the construction, retail, hospitality, and office sectors with nonprofits, small businesses, and people to redistribute unneeded items, reducing waste from going to landfill. From fixtures and fittings going to thrift stores and being upcycled by fashion students to construction material being reused to help build schools, items are requested super quickly and help generate impact to local communities. So far, Globechain has diverted over 58 million kilograms of items from landfill, and they've helped over 50 million people across the world, saving them 350 million pounds through reuse. Check them out at globechain.com. What if there were a way that you could quickly and easily find out everything you need to know about a company's impact before making a purchase so that you could be sure you're supporting a brand that aligns with your values? Today, I speak with Mary Claire Maynard, the founder of Cluey Consumer, a company that does in-depth research on how positively or negatively other businesses' practices impact both people and the planet. People can take advantage of this information to become conscious consumers. In this episode, we discuss what voting with your wallet means and why each person has the ability to affect big, positive change just by being conscious of what they choose to purchase on a daily basis. Hey, Mary Claire, great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Of course. And so I, I like to start these conversations big picture with just a simple kind of, I suppose, explanation of what it is that you do. So what is Cluey Consumer? What's the elevator pitch? Yeah. So Cluey is for conscious consumers who want to support the brands that support their values. Um, and I started Cluey out of my own personal frustration of uh, the difficulty that existed in finding this type of information that I was looking for behind the brands that I was buying and spending my money on every day. And when I say this type of information, I mean things like impacts on people, impacts on the planet, impacts on my own personal health. And I wanted that information to be more centralized and accessible. So that way consumers like me who cared to be a bit more discerning with where they were spending their money um, could find that information at their fingertips. And so that is our mission. And we are hoping to really grow a more informed and conscious consumer population. Very cool. And so how, how does that work? I mean, how do you inform people about, um, how, how do you make people more conscious as consumers? Yeah. So Cluey exists currently as both a website and a Chrome extension. And so if you were to go to clueyconsumer.com, you know, you could search thousands of brands, um, and find their impacts in a few different ways. So our top line impacts would be impacts on people, that's impacts on workers, consumers, suppliers, and communities in which they operate. Impacts on the planet, that's things like emissions handling, waste handling, resource use, water use. Um, and then there's also political impacts. Um, political impacts, uh, we're not showing any sort of rating, but we're just showing where a brand and their parent company's political contribution history has gone to um, in U.S. elections specifically. And then we show a few other things. So if um, 
if users or if consumers particularly care to understand if a brand is maybe woman-owned brand or if it has scored particularly well for LGBT equality or if it's a veteran-owned brand um, or if it's made in a particular country, we are integrating those data elements into our insights as well. So that way consumers can really uh, get down to the issue-specific areas that they care about when um, voting with their wallet. That's super cool. And so is that something that is that predominantly is it predominantly meant to be used online? I mean, the, the Chrome extension sounds like that's really helpful when you're shopping on on websites. But what what if you're in a store and you're trying to make a decision? Yeah, absolutely. This is something that comes up quite a bit, um, but it is a mobile friendly uh, browser experience. So you can still go to cluiconsumer.com and search uh, for brands just like you would if you were at your desktop computer. Over time, of course, we want to make the in-shopping experience more frictionless to helping uh, consumers find purchases more quickly that align with their values. And so we're thinking about a few different ways of um, how we can improve the in-person shopping experience as well um, to allow that to be very frictionless and very much at your fingertips. Um, so you can make these decisions both uh, actively while you're shopping. And then, you know, as you mentioned earlier with the Chrome extension, both passively as you might be surfing the web and maybe Cluey is not top of mind or conscious consumption isn't top of mind for you in that moment. And that's okay. Um, but we want to be a friendly reminder uh, to our consumers who, you know, have indicated that they want to make um, some better decisions when they can, um, that, that, that possibility exists. Very cool. Now you said, um, you said the words voting with your wallet, which I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that statement. Cause I'm, I'm a strong believer that, well, that's how capitalism works basically is wherever the money flows is where the energy goes basically. Uh, and so what, can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by voting with your wallet? Totally. Um, you know, most people, I think particularly uh, young people who might be frustrated with the state of affairs in the world today, because there's, you know, you turn on the headlines, turn on the news and see the headlines, and it can be a lot of doom and gloom. Um, and, and oftentimes, you know, we are told to well, remember to vote, remember to register to vote, remember to show up to vote, you know, vote to put the individuals who then, you know, are empowered to make decisions to make the world uh, the world we want to be living in. Um, and that's totally true. And we always encourage people to exercise their civic duty wherever they are to actually vote. But we also believe that you are voting with your wallet, not just every two years, but every two hours in some cases. Um, so unlike uh, voting with your ballot, you have the power as a consumer to be shaping the world that you want to live in every single day. And a lot of people, you know, not, not let me let me rephrase that. Not a lot of people, but some people and naysayers will say to that, oh, yeah, but what is one purchase really going to do? What is one purchase really going to change? And hey, I totally see that perspective. Like one purchase differently is not going to all of a sudden solve all of the world's problems. But those minor decisions when compounded over and over and over again across wide uh, portions of the population actually have a huge impact. And a couple of stats that I'll share on that. So the first is that um, SC Johnson, which owns Windex, um, they had released a refillable Windex product 10 years ago. 
one where they just gave the solution pods, but you would keep like a glass bottle at home and you would just pour the solution pods in. Well, they ended up shelving the plans of releasing that product because consumers just weren't that interested in that at the time. So what that says to me is that these uh, larger companies that have an outsized impact on society um, certainly have the ability, capabilities and innovations in-house to make decisions that can improve their impacts on people, impacts on the planet, but they need consumer willingness and demand to be there in order to make those changes. Well, the good news is that SC Johnson is re-rolling out that product line because now consumers, uh, you know, more and more consumers care about this. And that's what I mean by like one purchase really can make a difference because it's all those purchases adding up where consumers are starting to buy reusable cleaning solution that has then moved the needle enough to where SC Johnson has said, hey, we need to make sure that we're competing in this arena. Um, and so that's a great way to see, you know, where consumers can vote with their wallet. Uh, another stat that I'll share on why, you know, it really does make a difference is that if you took just the population of, let's say, the Tampa metro area, which is about 3 million people, um, and you had each one of those individuals change their toilet paper brand, their shampoo brand, their coffee brand, and their laundry detergent brand for just one year, that amount of money diverted would be equivalent to 6% of global annual revenue for the largest consumer packaged goods company in the world. 6% of a company's entire revenue is, is insane. That's a huge impact. Um, so that's all to say that voting with your wallet really does make a difference. And we at Cluey are really here to make that process uh, more easy for, for the everyday person. Yeah, I think those are those stats are are very interesting and impressive. And yeah, it it's hard to it's the way I see it is it's sometimes really hard to see your impact immediately. Uh, in fact, rarely do you see your impact immediately. And also, um, it's hard to understand how your decision fits into the into the broader global kind of um, perspective and and things that are happening. And you know, thinking about the, the Tampa metropolitan area. Um, I mean, 3 million people that, I mean, you're not gonna have an entire city who all changes their shopping right. habits, but that could happen. 3 million people over the, over, throughout the U S is I think a very reasonable thing to see, but you might totally. be the only person in your town or city who makes that change, but you're still one of 3 million. You just don't know. And, um, the other thing that, that ends up happening, I think is, other people see you making a change and it inspires or motivates or um, reminds them that they can also make a change. And there's this kind of, I suppose, softer influence, not directly of the hard money that's being spent, but other people say, oh, well, they're doing it. So it's okay. Or, you know, maybe I can do that too, or I should do that. Or I was supposed to do that. Or thank you for the reminder. I mean, there's so many different like little triggers that can happen when you see someone else taking action that way. Um, and there's no way for you to be able to track that. Sorry, go on. Totally. And so much of consumerism too is is really about keeping up with the Joneses um, in terms of how how our society, how we act as like a, a, a human race. I mean, we essentially uh, are very social beings. And so, you know, we are nesting in a way, buying this trinket or that trinket to fill up our home. And when we go to someone's house and we see this thing or that thing that they have, you know, that's the spark of inspiration. Um, so pure 
peer pressure or social pressure is a huge, huge part of uh, consumer behavior. And modern day consumerism is is a concept that really didn't come about until you know post World War II. When you think about what um, consumer activity looked like, let's say in the 1920s or even the turn of the century in 1900, you know it was very different. You didn't have uh, a ton of fast fashion brands, and you know you didn't have um, mass-produced goods. Um, and not saying that that's necessarily, you know, in some cases that's improved so many qualities of life for so many different individuals. There's so much that's been achieved through, um, you know, impactful consumerism. But of course, you want to also make sure that you're countering any negative impacts as well. And so I think that's where, to your point, that social pressure can really uh, make a difference in how consumers think about their, how they live their lives. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was just thinking it's positive peer pressure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, I, I mean, how off the back of this voting with your wallet, how, or you know, I suppose, how do you believe that sharing companies ratings or the ratings that you've been putting together through consumer, how does it work? And, and how is it, I suppose, doing that positive peer pressure? Yeah. So, um, you know, again, it's not just the ratings. It's not just the people in the planet ratings. That's certainly a part of it. And as a result of pulling in that type of data, we've been able to even say, here are the top rated brands uh, for social impacts and for environmental impacts. But there's also all these other kind of issue specific tags that we can showcase about a brand. And this is where I really think that um, there can be a lot of um, personalization to the consumer experience because everyone really loves to approach their own lifestyle in a very individualistic manner, particularly in the U.S. That's a very cultural component to how we, you know, how we live our lives. And so an example that I have of that is there's a top rated brand on Cluey um, for both people and planet impacts are also a B Corp certified brand. Um uh, I love them. They they're in my kitchen right now. Rumi Spice, but they're also veteran owned, um, and they're sourcing their ingredients. They were uh, three uh, Afghanistan uh, veterans who served in the Afghanistan war, and they actually decided to source all of their ingredients from connections that they had made while they were abroad. Um, and so that's really an interesting story uh, to talk about because you know, you have a value that maybe you wouldn't associate with certain other values, but you can find consumers having common ground on uh, brands that they might feel good about supporting. And so I think that that goes beyond just the ratings on people and planet um, to show that, you know, we want to bring in as much impact insights, uh, contextual information as possible to really allow everyone to shape their consumer experience very uniquely. Um, but to answer your question, the way we do it is by aggregating data from across uh, the web directly from, from brands in certain cases, you know, like directly from their, their websites, um, but of course also through third-party data. And that's really where the ratings data is coming from. So that's things like ESG ratings providers, um, impact assessment tools, government data, so any sort of like fines that a company may be getting from the EPA uh, or OSHA, um, and, and all sorts of other data points that are coming from the best-in-class third-party uh, providers. That sounds like a lot of work to find <laughs> all of that and, and stay up to date. How do you actually, and I suppose maybe this is a bit of your secret sauce, but do you really go in and just like read all of these things and put it together manually, or is there kind of an easier way to do that? It's a, it's a mixture. It's a bit of an art and a science. Um, you know, I, my background, I'm a former journalist and a corporate researcher. So this is my bread and butter. I love, um, 
going down rabbit holes, uh, we reading entire Wikipedia pages sometimes. So like, oh. this is just what I, <laughs> what I love to do. Um, but we have a great team working with us and they're doing things like automating how we can get some of this data and keep it up to date, uh, to keep it as up to date as possible. Um, but of course, you know, you're going to have cases where we're maybe updating the information every couple of months, couple of weeks, couple of days in some cases. Um, so it's not, you know, uh, it's not necessarily reacting in real time, but again, brand impacts and corporate impacts aren't necessarily changing that drastically in real time either. Um, there is the occasional, you know, expose article that may come out, um, but we're staying pretty top of, uh, you know, we're staying pretty close, uh, keeping our ears, uh, ears close to the ground on that sort of stuff. So if something does come out that would significantly change a rating for a company, you know, we would certainly be the first to know. And that's what we try and do, I guess, in a secondary way in which we operate is by educating consumers with content through our Instagram account, through our, uh, you know, our blog, um, through our weekly emails, because it's not just about, you know, making decisions here or there, but it's also about growing in your own consumer lifestyle habits. And you can't grow unless you're learning. And so we're hoping to provide an educational uh, component to the content we put out as well. Very similar to, to what you all are doing. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think education is such a crucial component because without that, first of all, you people don't know or you don't know what, what the challenges and, and issues are that are affecting you and why they're important. And then second of all, the education aspect is also about what you can do about right. these challenges. And yeah, you need, you really need both and it requires time and learning. Um, how, how do you pick the companies that, that you actually add to the platform? Because in theory, as I'm starting to think about the possibilities, it's like there's an infinite number of brands, infinite number of companies, sectors, industries. I mean, where do you start and how do you actually pick, uh, you know, which rabbit holes to jump down? Yeah, well, certainly before the world of like current day Instagram, it was uh, much easier. I feel like I'm, you know, whenever I'm on Instagram or social media, I'm learning about a different brand every day, mm. <laughs> maybe multiple times a day. Um but we started with the big ones. You know, we decided to kind of take a top-down approach because we knew that most most times a lot of people who need to access some of their consumer products to live their lives uh, easily um, do so with many of the major brands that are distributed uh, to many of the major retailers. So that's really where we started. We started with the brands that you'd find in most of uh, the major grocery stores, drug stores in the U.S. I should make a little caveat that we are currently only rating brands um, in the U.S. And over time, we hope to grow Cluey to a more global reach. Um, but we wanted to start our release first here because that was obviously going to be the market that we were most familiar with. Um, and then we've grown from there. So once we've got past all the major brands that you could buy uh, in a store, um, then we went to, you know, finding all the B Corp brands, finding all of the 1% uh, for the planet certified brands, finding, um, you know, all these companies that maybe we would have missed in that first pass and just building out our database from there. So currently we have 6,000 brands that are representative of over 100,000 product SKUs um, sold in the U.S., so we have a lot, um, but of course, there's a lot of small brands that we don't yet have enough data on to rate. And so um, we encourage people to, uh, there's an ability to actually add a brand. Um, if you're searching for it and it doesn't pop up, um, you'll get a little notification that you can chat bot us in our website to add a brand. And we'll work on looking to get data on that brand in order to eventually add them to our site. 
super cool. I mean, hundred thousand SKUs or a hundred thousand different product lines is um, yeah, that's, that's an impressive amount that I imagine covers depending on how, how you've done it, but I imagine that covers a substantial portion of what's available. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, you know, covers, we started with the the basics that you'd buy every day for your home and then expanded from there. So we even include uh, things like banks and um, services mm-hmm. and restaurants chain, restaurant chains. So um, it's not just limited to cleaning supplies or groceries, um, but, but much, much more. And so, you know, if, if somebody feels like they have a relevant brand that they want to know about and it's not there, we definitely encourage people to submit it. Yeah, that's really cool. The, uh, so it's, it almost sounds like the idea is that whenever you are going to spend money on something in an ideal world, you can always double check first with Cluey, make sure that it actually fits your values and then you make your, your purchase or not. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that can get, that can get a little bit of, um, you know, a slippery slope in some ways, because again, I started this because of my own personal frustration of having what I would call analysis paralysis Mm. when I'm making a decision and I'm like, I'm not sure which, you know, which one's going to have the least, which one's going to minimize negative impacts on workers or the planet or on my own health. Um, and so, uh, we wanted to make just that level of decision-making easier. We also don't want people to feel like they have to, you know, cross-check every single thing in their lives. We really like to take the, uh, progress over perfection approach Mm -hmm. when it comes to consumer habits and changing your consumer habits. And so a great place to start is in your bathroom, in your kitchen, you know, the products in your closet, and then expand from there. It's like you said earlier with the learning and growing going hand in hand as that iterative cycle continues for people, then they start to think about things like, oh, where am I going to eat dinner tonight? Or, hmm, I want to go see this new movie. Is there a better movie chain that maybe is more in line with my values than, than the one I typically go to? Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the way in which we hope to um, evolve that, that thinking. Yeah. Progress versus uh, perfection, I think is a really important way to move forward in life in general, uh, specifically with sustainability too. But yeah, I mean, uh, if you're so focused on perfection, you'll end up never doing anything because it's impossible to start perfectly. And yeah, if you just begin somewhere, anywhere, like you said, bathroom, changing your toothpaste or floss or whatever. um, And if that's just your one habit change for the week or for the month, that's already a big thing um because it's it's also not it's not just the item it's also the shift in mentality and the shift in thinking which kind of it's like a a foot in the door and then from there it's a crack that you can never reseal and and it just ends up getting bigger and bigger and bigger and as you continue to make more and more changes and then it's hard to um it's just a completely different way of thinking you can't really unsee it Totally. And that's, again, you know, going back to that statistic, I said that if just 3 million people changed just four simple products in their home, it would have this drastic uh, collective impact. So mm-hmm. like you said, just the toothpaste or just the, the floss or the shampoo, whatever it is, you know, start there, make the next step. And what you'll realize is that you become part of that statistic in just one year alone, very easily. Yeah. Um, and I think we just want to make that seem a little bit more approachable and accessible. In terms of the 
companies that you started with. Um, you mentioned B Corps, One Percent for the Planet, um, and this is a slightly devil's advocate question. I'm I'm just kind of curious to to see the approach. Um, these are the kind of corporations, at least, that I would expect are companies that have a really solid rating already. Um, meaning, like if you're if you're a B Corp, you've done a lot of changes internally as a as an organization in order to have that B Corp because it, it's a pretty stringent and quite strict. Uh, um, like the the requirements needed to become to get that certification. Absolutely. So, the is the reason why you're looking at those companies is that almost to double check to make sure that they really are true to what they're doing, or uh, what what would be the thought process of going for companies that you would assume have already made big changes rather than, for instance, like SC Johnson or or perhaps you know Cargill, for instance, which might have a much sure. more intense rating. So to, to be clear, we definitely did start with all of the big companies that you could buy in a store. So like every brand that you could find in, let's say a Walmart or a Walgreens or one of those types of retailers. So you have both a mixture of your, you know, everyday accessible brands, like, um, let's talk through, let's talk through a couple like Charmin toilet paper owned by uh, Procter and Gamble tide also owned by Procter and Gamble Burt's bees owned by Clorox that most people wouldn't know. Uh, Mrs. Bit. Myers owned by SC Johnson method soaps owned by SC Johnson. I mean, I could just do this like forever, <laughs> all the ice cream brands, which Unilever owns like 90% of them. Um, so, you know, we, we definitely started with those big CPG companies and their brands, uh, and then started adding to our list with the B Corp brands as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to something like a B Corp, you know, it, B Corp, as you said, is definitely one of the most, I mean, they, they essentially started in many ways. They are a leader in this movement, this movement of conscious capitalism, um, the concept that you can use business as a force for good. They are by no means the first uh, to, to think through, think in this way, but they are certainly leading the way. They are a big advocate uh, in terms of making the B Corp formation for governance of a company more uh, more accepted by state governments around the U.S. So they're really lobbying for a lot of amazing change, both here in the U.S. and around the world. Um, and with that, that certification to become a B Corp certified company is definitely one of the most uh, strictest and highest standards that you can achieve. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the company is perfect. Um, so a good example that I will allude to is uh, Nespresso was actually just certified as a B Corp certified company, B Corp certified brand. And many of the other certified, notable certified B Corps actually um, came out in a bit of protest that Nespresso got certified because Nespresso um, you know, is, has an ownership structure that's connected to Nestle. Uh, Nestle had quite a bit of... Um, let's say spots on their reputation in the past for things around um, definitely not participating in fair trade uh, policies with, uh, you know, sourcing coffee and other commodity based goods. So dealing with human rights violations in their supply chain, um, dealing with uh, dealing with certain uh, issues around their bottled water lines, um, things like that. So point being is that it was a, a bit of a shock to some of the other B Corp brands that a Nestle owned brand was able to get B Corp certified. Mm. Well, what we're doing is we're not just showing the ratings that's the data coming from the B Corp assessment impact. We're also showing impact assessment tools, excuse me. We're also showing data from other sources as well, as I mentioned, other third-party sources. So in some ways it actually builds on each other. Um, so while yes, Nespresso maybe has a better score than 
let's say uh, a different, you know, brand that you might think of, it's not going to be as strong as maybe a higher performing brand. Um, so Nestle or sorry, Nespresso doesn't end up being one of our uh, brands that scores above a B minus or higher, which is our threshold for being a top rated brand for both people and the planet. Um, and so that's a great example where, yes, they might be B Corp certified, but they still have a ways to go because they have things like, uh, you know, government fines that they're dealing with from some past behavior. So it's a bit of a double check on the B Corp assessment tool, but by no means are we saying that you shouldn't trust that certification. We just are bringing in more data points to really make this as comprehensive as a rating for the everyday person to understand. Hmm. And then the second point I would just note about B Corp as amazing of a certification tool that it is for many consumers, so many people are still completely unaware of what B Corp is. Um, there's a lot uh, of folks out there who know that they want to start buying better and who still haven't heard of something uh, like B Corp. So, um, so we hope to, you know, help to fill that education gap again uh, with that content. Um, but yeah, we're huge B Corp fans, but I thought that would be an interesting anecdote to share. Yeah, I think that that is interesting. And I think it answers my question very specifically because, yeah, I think Nespresso is a really good, uh, a really good example as to why it makes sense to just double check and look into it. Because um, my assumption would be if I saw that without all the, the context that you just provided, I would see B Corp, huh, they're perfect. Right. And that's it. And and to be to be clear, like the way that the 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 backlash and the the backlash to it was not necessarily that maybe they didn't deserve the certification. It was more that the way that the certification currently occurs, you have to essentially hit like a minimum threshold of like brownie points, <laughs> for lack of a better term. And they hit that minimum threshold in certain sec segments. So like um, B Corp will measure across things like governance, impacts on customers, impacts on workers, impacts on the planet. Um, and so they were able to meet that threshold in certain areas, but not in others. So they still got the certification because they met the minimum threshold overall. Um, but the, the backlash from the other B Corp certified brands was that B Corp should be more stringent about making sure that there's a minimum threshold for each, uh, let's say, mm -hmm. column of impact that a company can have. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And yeah, it, it is interesting. So um, out of curiosity, totally different subject. Do you do anything outside of CPG or consumer packaged goods, for instance, like furniture? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, there's a couple of a uh, couple of home goods uh, brands that we have. It's it's not as robust as let's say our grocery brands uh, and and general CPG. Um, but yes, we certainly do um, have have some of those. We've tried to as much as possible cover every major brand that somebody might think of. Uh, so if you were to search Wayfair, you would find Wayfair on Cluey, uh, you know, but, but there are plenty of brands uh, that are still left to be uncovered. So, um, so yes, we cover, cover the gamut. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Cause I was just thinking furniture, there's so many environmental challenges associated with furniture specifically. Oh my gosh. I just, I actually just uh, took a deep dive on this last yeah. week. Um, and what I learned was, wild um, because apparently the biggest concern uh, along with the environmental impacts of furniture but the biggest personal concern for buying new furniture which i'm going to be completely uh you know aware of and discerning of from now on is the concept of off-gassing so a lot of furniture is made with chemicals like formaldehyde to preserve it um and essentially when you unbox it in your home it starts to off-gas all of those preservative chemicals. And so you're literally 
breathing in toxic gases with certain furnitures. And it, it depends on where it was made because in some countries, uh, the standards are less strict. And so therefore they can put in more preservative chemicals like formaldehyde, et cetera. Um, and so that's something that we've been keeping an eye out for in our data as well when it comes to furniture. But that's a whole other world uh, of ways that you know your consumer choices can have an impact. Um, and again, just an opportunity for education for, for so many folks. A hundred percent. Yeah. I recently learned about this, this whole off-gassing business as well. And it's pretty shocking just the amount yeah. and, and it's not just the amount, but it's for how long it happens too. If I'm not mistaken, it, it could happen. It's not just that moment when you open right. the packaging and, and you get that kind of weird, like funky new furniture smell, which is sort of like, right. it's not as nice as the new car smell. Um, which right. I, and now, the new car smell is the same exact thing. It's, exactly. And so now I'm like, now I can't believe it because I've always loved the new car smell. I mean, who doesn't love a new car smell? But please don't don't breathe too deeply if you're yeah. in a new car. It's not good for you. Exactly. Um, and the, the yeah, off-gassing happens for, say years. it again. Yep. It, goes, it can go on in some cases for years. It completely depends on the, the density of the material and, and the chemicals used. Um, but, but yeah, it's wild. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It, it really is. And so that's a good example of where Clue Consumer is good, not just for the environment, but also for in terms of the people impact. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, this and this is something that we're certainly going to continue to work on uh, making more clear with each brand page and the ratings and even maybe maybe breaking down some more contextual information. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're still new and we're still growing and we have a lot on our product roadmap. Um, but making that more clear of like what impacts are boiling up into that or rolling up into that people impact score. So that way is like, okay, are they getting a bad people impact score because of the um, impact on customers or is it because of the impact on workers? So a good example of a company um, whose brands all have a pretty bad people impact score is our, our Johnson & Johnson owned brands. Um, and the their people impact score is uh, poor because of consumer safety issues more than anything else. So it's less of a worker issue or supply, you know, human rights issue or anything like that. And it's more of actually consumer safety because they've had a significant level uh, amount of recalls for uh, their consumer products over the decades. Um, a lot of really scary stuff, unfortunately. Um, so I, you know, it, that's that's something where we try and make that a little bit more clear. Um, so happy to elaborate on that if that's of interest. It sounds to me like what you're doing is basically another form of investigative journalism, but it's like uh, it manifests itself. The, the published version of it isn't a column in a newspaper or on, on a website somewhere. It's this platform that allows people to actually make decisions in a very specific way. What, what was the moment? And, and I know you kind of touched on the, on this, but was there a specific moment um, maybe when, like you said, analysis paralysis was really setting in and you just thought I need to make a change. Was there a, a, a moment when you realized I, I need to make a cluey consumer? Yeah. Well, there certainly was. Um, but I'll, I'll use the analogy of, because um, I, I believe everyone has shared this frustration where they've tried to look up a recipe online and they have to read the person who has authored that cooking recipe. They have to read their life story before they actually get to just like, tell me the, the dang ingredients and how to make this dish. That's all I want to know. Um, so that's what it felt like for me when I was trying to do my own research and figuring out the impacts of the products I was buying. I was getting long form paragraphs, like invest true long form investigative journalism to your point. 
um, which is great, you know, and I, I'm certainly a, a large consumer of long form content, but I was like, this is completely inaccessible for somebody who needs to make a quick decision. And the format needs to be consistent across the board. You need to have a one-stop shop solution where you can search for everything. And the solution needs to be centralized. It needs to be reliable and it needs to be holistic to everything you could possibly buy. And that's kind of the, the aha moment for Cluey. And, you know, for me, that happened in the summer of 2020, um, it was a 2020 was like, I don't need to, I don't need to remind anybody, but it was a pretty traumatic year for a, a whole slew of reasons. It was uh, quite a watershed uh, moment in our history. And, um, you know, it was actually leading up to the 2020 elections in particular mm. that I said, let me test this idea out with one simple impact, like just showing political contributions in, e in either direction. Um, you know, not saying that one is good or one is bad, just saying here's the political contributions of these brands. So we ran a test and um, we had 600 downloads on this very rudimentary app that we had built. Um, and it did quite well and people wanted more. They said, okay, well now I wanna understand like environmental impacts and now I wanna understand impacts on my health and you know, impacts on the workers, um, you know, do they allow their workers to unionize or not, what have you. Um, and so that's where really the idea behind Cluey became a reality and not just a, a passion project, uh, but more of a, a full-fledged, um, you know, mission that we wanted to bring to the world. That's a really, I love hearing these origin stories, especially when they start so, so small and then it, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Um, on the point about impact, is there a way for you to track the impact that you're that that you're able to make in terms of people's choices and decisions via either the website or the Chrome extension? Um, it, and it's less it's less built in uh, to how we're like collecting data. Mm -hmm. By no means are we uh, you know we're not storing anyone's personal information or anything that would be considered their um, you know personal identifiable information. Um, so we're not really tracking it necessarily in the product, but we are taking um, anecdotal feedback calls with as many users as we can possibly speak to. We're sending out surveys on a pretty regular basis. Um, and from those samplings, like doing a sample, uh, essentially like a sample of all of our users, um, our latest user cohort, 67% of them have indicated that they've actually swapped a brand uh, in their home to a different brand because of the information learned from Cluey. Um, so that's Amazing. certainly you know, a, a one way that we can measure that we're um, making an impact, but we hope to get more and more specific uh, with that over time and even be able to put a dollar amount to X amount of dollars um, diverted to people spending with brands that are more aligned with their values. And then, you know, companies will really make that a priority uh, effort over, okay, well, we need to make sure that if this is going to be our value set as a company, like we talked about roomy spices, uh, then that they really, you know, that they really make that their, their thing. And that's how, that's how people want to be marketed. Of course, they want to make sure that the product uh, fits within their budget and that it fills their need. That's always going to be the case for consumers. That's never going away. Um, and that it can be conveniently accessed. So convenience cost and function will always be king with consumers, mm -hmm. but then all those other components, you know, so much is poured into marketing by companies and like, could you imagine if if instead companies put some of that effort towards sustainability efforts or uh, you know some of their other operating practices, they would increase their revenue like crazy. And and we want to be the tool that helps to reward uh, that cycle of uh, consumerism. Yeah, I think I, it, it makes sense. I mean, it, it, you won't be able to track 
a lot of those things, especially when people are making decisions in person. I mean, if you go to a furniture store and you're actually testing out sofas there on the, on the, um, show floor or whatever they call it. And, and then you make a decision there, there's no way to actually tell, but the, that anecdotal evidence is already really impressive. And if there is a way to get some of that information about, you know, here's how much money we've diverted from, you know, these types of companies into these other ones, like you said, I think, you know, once Cluey gets big enough, you'll actually be able to start shifting um, how larger organizations are functioning because they'll see just like SC Johnson is seeing with Windex, this is, there's a demand here and, and not just a demand, but there's actual proof that money is moving and we need to make adjustments in order to keep up. Um, Absolutely. And, and that's, that's so powerful. Absolutely. And just like thinking about that, like you can, there are other ways too, that we can think about building in more traceable elements, you know, um, leveraging consumer data, of course, anonymized and aggregated data. But over time, we want to build out those components of our platform so that way we can leverage that data because people who sign up for Cluey want to make an impact. And so if we could leverage their data in an ethical, steward it in an ethical manner that actually can show that that impact is being made, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think everybody would be all for that. Um, of course, like I said, anonymized and aggregated because user privacy is, is so important. Um, and and we're seeing some companies uh, leverage those rights very irresponsibly. Um, so that's going to be a, a huge component of what we're building. But there are definitely ways that you can trace stuff, even in store. You know, you could, mm -hmm. you could link credit card purchasing to see your monthly impact report over time. Um, so, so there's, there's lots on the horizon and, you know, uh, the, the best is yet to come. Well, um, are, are there any sustainability leaders that you admire or any books or podcasts or TV shows or movies or anything that you can recommend, you know, within the realm of, um, whether it's, uh, how, capitalism can be a force for good or something related to to the things that, that we've been talking about so far yeah you know how capitalism can be a, a force for good there's a great book got it right here oh you're ready uh, oh cool um by tanja hester uh definitely encourage this as a great read um you know a lot of people a lot of people will say uh push back saying oh well consumerism as a whole is not sustainable and i just want to say like yes there's no such thing as like a perfect purchase but again we are not going for perfection we are going for progress and i think tanja hester does a great job talking about how um collective consumer action can actually make a difference uh so that's a great book um a couple of like kind of more like localized to me uh heroes that i think really were in that watershed year when I was recognizing all the outsized impacts that corporations were having, um, uh, Sharon Levine, who is a environmental justice ad, uh, activist here in Louisiana, um, she's a grandmother and she is called, I, think, I can't remember what her nickname is, but it's like the climate grandmother, um, but she's fighting for her community uh, in a very rural part, rural part of Louisiana that's considered part of Cancer Alley down here. Oh, wow. And what's really interesting is that this became so important to her because of the health of her community she saw was deteriorating over time. And she recognized that it was because of the petrochemical industry that was dominating uh, where they live. And I think 
when you live in Cancer Alley, which is this like part of Louisiana, the corridor where the petrochemical industry exists, um, you know, you have a 95% higher chance of developing certain forms of cancer um, than, than somebody else. And so, you know, her community was being devastated by this. And so she's been a huge activist and advocate for fighting against new um, plant proposals of plants for certain types of um, petrochemicals that are already being phased out, like, you know, certain types of plastic that nobody's really even using anymore. And so it's not even economically, doesn't even make sense for the region. So she's an amazing person to follow. I, I love to amplify local voices as much as possible. And so I'm a, a huge fan of hers. Um, and then uh, the other great resource I would point people towards is the folks who are behind the story of stuff. Um, story of stuff is an amazing um kind of educational journey that you can take. They first came out with a YouTube video series about 10 years ago, but it really talked about the evolution of consumerism uh, and as it is and why it happened, why so like two years, because these are actually planned by the corporations in order to get us to spend more over time. And so it really talks about that evolution and how we as consumers and as innovators and change makers uh, can start to think about those cycles a little bit differently. Yeah, that's really great. Um, Mary Claire, sorry, would you mind repeating that last part? The internet kind of cut out if the, the last one sure. from just from sure. the, the beginning about the, the stories. Yeah, the, the last uh, the last resource recommendation I would make would be checking out the story of stuff. Um, you can find it on both YouTube, Instagram, um, but essentially the story of stuff is a, uh, I'm not hundred percent sure if it's a nonprofit, um, but it's an organization that uh, started to study the trends of consumerism and particularly how modern day consumerism came about. Um, so for example, you know, you probably have to buy a new iPhone every couple of years and you're like, why do I have to do that? But that's actually what's a concept called planned obsolescence where um, companies actually make their products become defunct after a certain period of time. So that way you have to buy another one. Um, so it's this constant concept of constant consumerism. And so story of stuff is a great resource to check out um, because it allows you to think critically about how you play a role in this system as an individual and how you can play a role as a change maker as mm. well. Really, really good resource. Yeah. And planned obsolescence is um, good for the company is a little frustrating for the consumer when you have to constantly buy a new yeah. iphone although the cameras do keep getting better supposedly they do they're <laughs> amazing quality yeah it's very true um and i suppose final questions here um if there's one thing or a couple of things that people can do on a daily basis uh, to be more sustainable in their daily lives as it relates again to the work that you're doing what would you recommend yeah um First, and or the, the one thing I would say is do your best and forget the rest. Um, you know, I decided to start this company. And so you would think that I'm probably the most conscious consumer of all time. But no, I'm not. There's plenty of things in my life that, you know, are not the most sustainable choices that I can make. Or, you know, I know that maybe is it the best option that I could choose. Um, and that's okay. Like I want every consumer who wants to take this journey to just start with the small steps um, because you're going to just drive yourself crazy if you try and try and like achieve that perfect uh, consumer lifestyle or consumer habit. It just won't happen. Um, and you have to save and reserve space for yourself for whatever brings you joy, whether it's like a 
self-care bubble bath bomb or something like that that can allow you to recharge and continue to choose better and better options each day and, and make that step-by-step -step progress. So do your best and, and forget the rest is my fin final piece of advice. It's a nice motto to have. And yeah, I always think that, you know, sustainability has to be sustainable because if you end up taking on every single change all at once, you'll burn out and then you'll just say, you know, it's impossible and, and you'll be back to where you started or in a in a worse place than before. And you'll think I, I can never even try again. Whereas, yeah, little changes over the long, long haul, um, I, I think it's a much better long-term strategy. And and so now for, for anyone who wants to get involved with Cluey Consumer, start start using the either the Chrome extension or, or checking it out online. Where can people go to learn more about it and, and actually get started? Absolutely. Our website is clueyconsumer.com. From there, you can sign up and create a profile. Um, you can fill out a couple questions, what value uh, you care most about when making considerations about what purchases you want to make. You can even select a few of the brands you buy and see the overall impact of the current brands in your household. Uh, so you can do that all through our website and then you can download the Cluey Consumer Chrome extension from the Chrome Web Store. Um, we're hoping to you know, continue to bring out more updates with that uh, over the coming months, so stay tuned. And then of course you can follow us on Instagram. You can also subscribe at the footer of our website if you're not, if you don't wanna fill out a full profile and you just wanna you know, get weekly updates on ways that you can make small changes. So um, come join us and we'd love to have you. Awesome. Well, Mary Claire, thank you so much for, for your time, for going through all of this fascinating conversation. I, and I love the fact that you're helping people to make conscious choices uh, with their wallet, uh, sometimes several times a day. So best of luck as you continue to grow it and, and continue to make an impact. Thank you. And thank you so much for amplifying such amazing, positive stories of, of change makers around the world. I'm honored to be able to be uh, on this podcast. Thank you so much. Well, have a great rest of your day and talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Globechain is the largest and fastest growing ESG reuse marketplace that helps companies become more sustainable, save money, and achieve their ESG and SDG targets. Globechain connects companies from the construction, retail, hospitality, and office sectors with nonprofits, small businesses, and people to redistribute unneeded items, reducing waste from going to landfill. From fixtures and fittings going to thrift stores and being upcycled by fashion students to construction material being reused to help build schools, items are requested super quickly and help generate impact to local communities. So far, Globechain has diverted over 58 million kilograms of items from landfill, and they've helped over 50 million people across the world, saving them 350 million pounds through reuse. Check them out at globechain.com.